Obviously. On the prompt. I think you should it. call it Dub Dub. Yeah, you should Federico. definitely call it Dub Dub. Federico, you out of, out, out of the hot no, tub. No, it's, it's the hip way to say it. Welcome to the prompt. A weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is April 23rd. 2014. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined today by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Mike. How are you? I am very well, and I'm very happy that we have our friend, Mr. Federico Vitici, with us today. Hello, Federico. Hey, friends. How, how are you? Good, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm alive. Good. So It's been a big day for uh, you today. We're going to talk about that a little later on, but we yes, have a bunch I'm, of stuff I'm that we fine. want to talk about first. Good. Good. <laughs> He's Thank fine, you. Mike. Just leave him alone. Okay. Why do you got to pick, don't pick did, up Federico? Why did you call me on Skype, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I think that it would be high time for us to jump straight in this week to some follow-up. Follow-up. Yes. And the first piece of follow-up is my favorite kind, in which you said something wrong. Oh, yeah. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, that's mm. because you guys don't trust me. That that's what happens when you don't trust me. Yeah, sorry, Federico. Yeah, so that's really my that's actually my super favorite type where Mike was wrong and Federico was right. Uh, no, that's Windows, incorrect. It, you like it when you're right. <laughs> that's that is my favoriteest favorite. Um, favoriteest? Yes, it's English. Uh, Windows eight point one uh, is available, but not to the public. It's a developer preview, right? Right, Mike. Yes, Could just you, as Federico said. Developer preview. Yeah. Why and did you, you make him say back. that? <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. You were stabbed in the back. The, fo- the follow-up came from uh, our very good friend Russell at um, Shifty Jelly. He likes to keep me honest. Yeah. So. It's okay, Mike. We still love you, Mike. Uh, you're just going to have to switch to Windows Phone for a couple of months now. Is that my punishment? Uh, to- yeah, to make yeah. up for for you know for this or, piece or, of or the, pu- the 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 alternative punishment is that the prompt loses the little trophy icon it gets and pocket casts and frankly that's unacceptable to me. Yeah, we can't have that. So, take one for the but team you, and use Windows Phone. Yes, sir. You can use Cortana, which by the way I think it's totally awesome because I saw a lot of uh, I watched a lot of videos and and I think that Microsoft is doing so many things better than Siri. Um, so it's not really a punishment, Mike. It's like um. An alternative, uh, let's see, an alternative present from us to you. Okay. <laughs> it's a, you can use Windows Phone. Come on, it's not really a punishment. I'll, I'll buy it for you. That's not true. No. Uh, do you, you own a Windows Phone, don't you? Yeah, but I don't, I haven't turned, oh, it's, it's a cheap phone. I don't think it gets 8.1. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't checked. Maybe I should actually check that. I'm going to turn it yeah. on right now, guys. Just, just keep going. Oh, oh gosh. Okay, so... Uh, we'll we'll circle back to you. Um, the next piece of follow up is what I was telling you guys before we record started recording is now my favorite type of follow up where people uh, tell us how and where they listen to the show. And so Ming T on Twitter uh, sent us this picture, um, and he says, "I was listening to you guys uh, while driving past Lake Geneva on honeymoon. My non techie wife enjoyed." Which, um, the picture's uh, great. It's like mountain range, a beautiful lake. Uh, props on the marriage. Congratulations. Um, but Ming, we Ming. need to have a discussion. Yeah, that's... 
Now look, that's bold. You're you're a brave man. I mean, if you're going to listen to any podcast, of course you would listen to the world's greatest podcast. However, you're on your honeymoon. Come on, Should, you know, put some like Barry White on or something. You know. Well, I mean, can you compare honestly our accents to Barry White? I mean, yours, well, yours. I don't know, guys. I feel like this guy wanted to just listen to a podcast, and of course, he chose ours. You know. Federico, I mean, you're a, you're an Italian man, so, so you, okay, understand, you understand. You understand love. Okay. I don't know what you're getting at. Please continue. What, what should Ming have been playing for his new lady wife instead of? No, I'm just saying. Maybe it was just a moment. You know, maybe they just were. Maybe they were arguing about technology, and they were like, you know, we should listen to a prompt and see who's right. Maybe they were trying to settle an argument about which Windows Phone 8.1. Yeah. Exactly. Which Good is not Mike. an ideal scenario for the honeymoon. Right, <laughs> they are already in an argument about tech. So uh-huh. of course, the guy was like, "You know, we we'll just put on the prompt. We'll listen to Federico." Basically, whenever me and Stephen were talking, they turned it down because we don't have very romantic accents. And then whenever you were talking, they just they just turn it, they just crank the dial right up. It's Federico, for yourself, buddy. I don't know. I feel like this is another dentist situation yep uh, so please uh, listener ming t uh, let us know if if everything's fine and uh thanks for listening by the way yeah and, if, uh, you need, great, great, if you great need a photo. place to stay um, <laughs> a couch to crash uh, yeah. mine's free so yeah <laughs> i would like to thank mrs t for <laughs> yeah for being a new listener to the show and congratulations on your on your marriage yes Guys, uh, my Windows phone uh, was dead, so I'm currently charging it. That's uh, follow-up okay. 1.5. Well, we Are you just taking phones for from under your desk? Yeah. Do you live in a in a in a Do you live in a in a <laughs> store or something? A Radio Shack. Listen, you want to hear this noise? This this noise here. That was me that? colliding a Nexus Five and a Windows phone together. <laughs> um, so you're like you're like a Santa or. Smartphones. Yeah, I am like the center of smartphones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next. <laughs> I feel I feel sorry for Stephen. I feel like yeah. <laughs> we yeah. are destroying his segment. I know this is all I get. It's all I get, <laughs> and no, it's it's. I mean, any any time that we can stop what we're talking about and remind our listeners that Mike has a crippling addiction to purchasing things, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with it. Um. So Pottery Ken, so we have Dentist <laughs> Listener Ken, but now we have Pottery Ken. Who's Pottery Ken? Pottery Ken, if you remember from last week's show, has sent a picture of a phone in like an iPod dock, and we kind of made fun of it. And he emailed me. Oh, yeah, me. the ghost movie, the ghost guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that thing. Uh, <laughs> and he emailed us and said not to make fun of his iPhone dock. And he had a, a question for us, and... I think we owe it to Pottery Ken because we um, sort of made fun of his setup a little bit. And he asks uh, if any of us still make uh, make phone calls. Um, so for, for me, at least, uh, my phone calls fall squarely into two camps. Uh, during the workday, I make a lot of phone calls from my iPhone as well as my, my phone on my desk. Um, and I would say that's the bulk of my time speaking on the phone is work-related. And really, the only other person I talk to on the phone on any sort of regular basis is like very close family, like wife and parents. Um, I very rarely will call a friend like to catch up, like we'll text or we'll see each other 
But I feel like my phone usage is way down from what it was, you know, five years ago. What about you guys? 100% the same. You like, mostly talk to my wife and my parents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I mostly talk to my mom, my girlfriend, uh, my doctor, and Steven's wife. So, uh, no, seriously, uh, just for family and my doctor and... Uh, you know, actually, that's a good question because uh, one feature of iOS 7 that I love is the fact that I can block people from calling me. So I, I was having an issue with um, like spam callers on my phone, uh, like just, I don't know, agencies or people adver- calling me to advertise things. I don't know how they get my number. I have no idea. Uh, so now I can block these numbers and that's awesome because... Uh, Really, the, the only reason why I use my phone as a phone is to call my parents um, and to call my girlfriend and to receive and call my doctor. I've so, been doing um, that number blocking thing a lot recently. It's good. It, it's so useful, yeah. Yep. And what's nice is that it also works with messages and FaceTime, so you can block just every aspect of, yep. uh, of somebody who tries to disturb you, yeah. Um. Yeah, that really is a nice feature of iOS 7. And I think one that people don't really realize is there. I, I had a, a coworker complain to me about this. And I was like, well, why don't you just block them? And she was like, well, you know, how do I do that? Do I call ET&T? Like, I, do, I was like, no, you just do it right on the phone. Um, definitely a nice addition by Apple. And, and one that I've used as well for, for similar reasons. The um, If you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I guess I'm probably longer than that. You know, we we sp- we spent several weeks talking about the App Store and maybe ways that Apple could improve it. And uh, our friend and everyone's favorite uh, pu- punctuation uh, underscore David Smith wrote a really great. It's recapping his. He has a podcast he does, um, but a really great article on how he thinks Apple could. Um, move towards a better app store, uh, not only for developers, but for end users and, and even for the company itself. And I, I would say if you were interested at all in this topic, uh, definitely send this thing to Inspaper, like spend some time reading it. It's uh, it's really one of the best things I've read on the subject. Definitely worthwhile. Yeah, I really like, um, it makes uh, several points. And the one about, like the app store doesn't have to refresh once on a weekly basis. Like why can't Apple refresh the app store daily? Uh, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. It doesn't make sense at the app store. I mean, of course, you can make jokes about web objects and that kind of stuff, but it doesn't make sense like in 2014 that Apple needs to refresh the app store once every week. They should be, be on. They should be on top of like the news and... Uh, events around the world every day uh, and I'm thinking about like the sort of curation that Beats Music does for the for the front page like if something happens you can be sure that Beats Music on a from a music point of view they, they they're going to refresh their home page with a relevant section or recommendation so uh, I, I think that Apple should be should at least try to be faster with um, with the curation on the front page like like the the editor's picks and the, and the custom sections, you know, just try to to be faster because it doesn't make much sense that you have to wait 
for some random reason that nobody knows who the who, who picked it that you have to wait until Thursday for new content on the app store. Yeah. And, you know, I think we talked about that. Is that like a staffing issue? Is it a technical issue? Is it just a lack of caring? Um, definitely out of everything we talked about, one of the most curious things to me that's like, that seems like such low hanging fruit, so easy to fix or to do better or do differently. And they just don't it really sort of boggles the mind. All right. Up next, it's like a marathon, marathon mm-hmm. follow up today. Um, we spoke last week at length about uh, apps and boredom and development. Uh, Federica, you brought that topic. Um, and we've got a lot of great follow-up on that. It was really a great conversation. I think one that we will revisit. Um, but two pieces of feedback really jumped out at me, and so I've, I've included them uh, today. Uh, listener Andrew wrote in um, and said, and I hadn't really thought about this way, is sometimes developers need to add features just to maintain an app's value as the market or world changes. Developers have to strike a balance between what is good for them and what is good for their clients. And what I thought of was podcast clients. You know, early versions of you know something like Instacast or you know uh, Downcast uh, being two of the early ones. They didn't offer syncing, for example. But when the iPad came out, and you know now several of these apps, or both of those apps in particular have desktop apps as well. Um, these uh, apps and these developers have have added sync, so you can you know your iPad knows where you hit pause on the prompt and you can hit play and it picks up. And I think it's a really interesting example of, you know, when, when a feature gets added to an app, it's, it's not always about the app itself. It can very easily be about other factors. And, you know, now it, you look at a, a podcast app that maybe doesn't offer sync or maybe just has an iPhone client and you might be tempted. Uh, I think I've been tempted and, and even thought this way in the past of, you know, this app is really too simple for me. It's not, powerful enough now in reality the podcast app i use syncs and i don't really use that except for a backup but it's interesting right like um you know that that maybe features get added to an app so it doesn't look like it's falling behind its its competition is is something i don't think we really talked a lot about uh last week what do you guys what do you guys think about that you think there's something something to that yeah I mean, I don't disagree at all. Um, I think it's, you need to have that balance. I, I agree. You, you, th- th- there has to be a balance between what we want and what developers can actually provide that makes it beneficial for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, it can't just be everything that we want. It can't just be everything that they want. There has to be a balance. And I think that maybe the best applications are the ones that do that. Yeah, it's so. it's so like difficult to try to understand what kind of audience you have like uh, and i speak from the perspective of someone who has a website right i don't make apps but even when i when i need to write an article from a website i need to know just what kind of readers do i have and if i if i if i have to imagine being a developer on the app store it's so i guess it's so hard to figure out like what kind of people use my app and so balance and mike you and i talked about this with uh with shahid on directional balance is so uh, a dynamic thing right there's no there's no fixed 
an, an standard kind of balance. It's, it, it changes every time and it changes for the kind of users that you have. So maybe I'm the kind of user that likes when an app is, is, is updated frequently with new features. But maybe uh, if I were more like a normal user, uh, I would like to have an app that never changes, that I always know how to use. And, but that also gets new features, but those new features, I don't need to learn those because, and so it, it's so hard to, to try to understand what kind of audience do I have? What kind of, what kind of customers do I have? And, um, and could Apple maybe make this process of understanding your audience uh, a bit simpler? And yes, uh, because as we talked about with Russell uh, two weeks ago, um, there could be maybe tools and maybe services to understand the kind of users that, that you have and maybe to optimize your app. And, and so to strike that balance, maybe just a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I think, I think part of it too is how developers work. And um, we have, that's kind of the last piece to follow up on this. Um, Listener Razvan wrote in and said, uh, pointed out that a lot of developers work via the uh, agile process, which that's a whole, like, I don't know why you'd want to talk about software methodology on a podcast, but... Seems like it'd be a little bit too complicated to me. Subtle burn. Um, But basically, agile is is a way to go about development that instead of okay, we have mapped out the next six months and this is what we're going to do. It breaks that into smaller pieces and you take information you learn along the way and you can change direction very uh, quickly and very easily. It's designed to be uh, to be nimble, to give developers flexibility. And I think this is an, another good point, thinking about it from the developer perspective, is I don't, while I'm sure there are developers who have, okay, this is what we're going to do for the next six months mapped out. But I think, I know I've heard from developers, and I think, Federico, you probably have too. You know, we hear stories of, well, you know, we were going to get this feature out the door, but then Apple dropped iOS 7 on us, and we needed to to change the direction and, you know, get background sync uh, working first, or work on the interface, and then come back to this new feature we were adding. And that's obviously a big example, and I think even the stodgiest of developers probably had to do that. But... I think a I think a wise development team, you know, leaves themselves flexibility so they can change course. And I think that's a great um you know, piece of follow up that the that came in. And it only makes sense, right? If if you couple that, especially with what Andrew wrote, that, you know, develop like apps don't exist in a vacuum. There's a lot of external forces that, that you know, are in play with, with any sort of business, but especially in the app store, it only makes sense that you would uh, be willing to drop an idea in favor of another one if the circumstances changed. Mm-hmm. So, whew, I feel like we need a breather, but we have one last piece of follow-up. You can do it, man. I'm like, I'm, I'm laying down. Um, go, Stephen, go, go, go. Yes, uh uh, the world's greatest T-shirt is still for sale. You have, as of this recording, five days and three hours left to buy. Uh, thank you to everyone who has uh, signed up for one. Mm-hmm. We have far exceeded our goal, which is just awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, as Mike promised, apparently on last week's show, 
uh, Mike and I will be in San Francisco for the conference. And if uh, you have a shirt, you, you apparently will win something. We're still working out what that is. Special prize. It, it might be a hug from Mike. It um, definitely will be, but there'll be a, a prize. Yeah, so if you, you see Mike that prize. W- WDC, hug him. Especially if you see him in a men's room. It's, it's very common in, in Britain to hug people in the bathroom. I am a hugger. So. It's true. Ugh, don't do not my thing uh so anyways uh the link is in the show notes again another five days so by the time the next episode is out this will be closed and they will be uh hopefully on their way to you so thank again thank you if you haven't checked it out definitely check it out it's um it's a lot of fun don't delay this may be the only time we make this t-shirt it's true just, just imagine this guys uh there are more than a hundred people crazy enough to buy a t-shirt about three guys talking on a podcast one with an italian accent another one who who has a a shopping problem and the other one who lives somewhere in america and these people are buying t-shirts for this thing it's crazy so thank you everyone really awesome somewhere in america you have no idea where i live do you it's like it's like Texas, Texas, or oh, no, God. no, 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 no. I got it. Um, it's it's Tennessee, Elvis it Town. It's it's uh, yeah, it's the one that Justin Timberlake says, uh, like um, you know, the Tennessee boys, whatever. I don't know. It's true. He's from right up the road. See, yeah. told you. Yeah. yeah. I think it might be the perfect time to take a break. Okay. I would like to thank Lynda.com for sponsoring this week's episode of The Prompt. Lynda has, Lynda.com, also Lynda, has over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses taught by industry experts, with new courses being added every single day. Lynda helps anyone learn creative software and business skills to achieve personal and professional goals whenever and wherever you want. Their wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced makes it easy to learn something new, no matter what level you may be. Lynda.com makes it a breeze to learn whenever and wherever you want. As I said, you can learn on a computer, tablet, or even a mobile device. Each course is structured so you can learn from start to finish or just jump on and find a quick answer. Maybe you want to just learn about something new and you want a quick answer to it and you know Linda's going to have it. Or maybe you watched a video a while ago and you want to go back and refresh your memory. What was that thing that they said? Well, you can very easily go in and do that because they give you access to not only searchable transcripts so you can quickly find information within a course, but also closed caption transcripts, sorry, so you can follow along with the video too. So you can search for the thing that you want, go to that point, watch the video from there. Very, very cool. I want to stress, these are not the homemade how-tos that you're going to find on YouTube. Linda provides high-quality video production from state-of-the-art studios. Their videos include animations and diagrams to make sure you really understand what you're learning, and the instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields with a true passion for teaching. Lynda.com has one low monthly price of $25, which provides unlimited access to the entire course library. They offer a variety of instruction, courses for all levels that cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and so much more. They've got courses on everything like photography, videography, audio recording, podcasting, web development, app development, and so much more more. But here's the really cool part. Lynda.com is giving you, listeners of the prompt, a special offer to access the entire library for, for free for seven days. So you can go in, have a look around, and you're going to know that Lynda's the right thing for you. So visit lynda.com slash the prompt to try lynda.com for free for seven days. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com slash the prompt. T-h-e 
P-R-O-M-P-T. So thank you to lynda.com for supporting 5x5 and The Prompt, which is the world's greatest podcast. So I think I think people generally know how we work. You know, the three of us share a Google document throughout the week. We put stuff in. Tuesday and Wednesday, we kind of sort through what we're going to do. And this week, we ran into the problem of we have all these topics. We actually had to drop one. Uh, and then I think all three of us had forgotten that today was Apple's quarterly result, uh, like the earning call. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I remembered. Uh, I he was just too, t- too busy. To <laughs> just didn't tell anybody. Uh, no, I forgot. I definitely <laughs> forgot. So. I totally forgot. And and so we're gonna just going to blast through this really quick. Uh, basically, Apple's still in business. Um, they were ahead of expectations, $10.2 billion in profit. Um, iPhones were 17% increase. Uh, iPads are down a little bit. Um, LOL, iPods. The interesting part, uh, to me at least, is that Apple... Uh, is undergoing a seven for one uh, stock split, and so right right now, basically, kind of what that means um, is say that a, a share of Apple is five hundred twenty five dollars. After this is is executed, uh, that will become seven seventy five dollars shares, and so that really that does a lot of things that I don't understand. But the the simplest one means that you don't have to have five hundred twenty five dollars in your pocket to buy a share of Apple. That you could. You can go get in at a much lower price. So this um, is like what Google did this recently as well, didn't they? So like in one day, it looks like the stock price goes from five hundred twenty-five a share to like whatever, like sixty, seventy dollars a share. Is that how? Is that? Oh, I'm right in thinking that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, the best I can understand it is not really being a financial guy, and I don't, I don't own any Apple stock. Um, this does go into effect uh, June second, which is um, Apple's keynote. So the- does that increase the number of shares so more people can buy Apple? Okay, it does. Um, now, if you so if I own two shares of Apple right now, hypothetically, on June second, I would have fourteen shares that would be worth okay. the same amount of money. Um, so it's it's if you're if you have shares, they will be split. And again, lots of people can explain this much better than we can. Um, but I think it's really interesting that you could now get into Apple. Uh, for less money. I mean, you know, I could buy a share of Apple at $525, but it would be a little difficult. At, at 80 bucks, a lot easier. Um, and uh, so we have a link to Forbes that, that explains that. I also, uh, ha- I also have a link to the Wikipedia article for Stock Split. Thank you. Um, you should definitely always uh, consult Wikipedia before making any financial decisions. So I live my life. Oh. So do do we have the Asimco graph on it yet? Uh, let me go to Asimco.com. Mike, uh, Mike is buddies with him now. Sure. Sometimes he's, he's I just feel space. like I, I can only understand these. Um, I, I call it, I call them numbers news. Um, only if I have an Asimco explanation. Um, Currently, no Asimco graph. Yeah, so I don't get it. So okay. therefore, there has been no earnings. <laughs> okay, so therefore Apple is still doomed. Doomed. Doomed until, yes. okay, until okay, Horace okay. tells us otherwise. Okay, make sure to tip uh, TechMeme when Asimco publishes um, wow. the explanation because uh, I feel like we need people to know, you know. Okay, guys, my phone's on. 
the yes. Windows Phone. Which which one? The Windows okay. Phone. I'm checking for updates. We're currently unable okay. to check for updates. Does your family mic know anyway about your problem? Because I feel like they should like have an intervention. Well, intervention I don't. Or you something. know, I don't actually have a problem. I work very hard for the things that I buy, Federico. I don't know. Why yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that. that you'll, I'm just saying. Every time, every time we're talking about phone, you have that phone. No, not all the time. Just mm. some of the time. I just have some one of one of each. You know. Hmm. I'm going to Mac Stories on my Windows phone right now. Is it nice? I don't know. I haven't got there yet. It takes a while to type. You know, we actually haven't tested the website on. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be more follow-up if it crashes the phone browser. Um, uh, yeah, it looks good. Even the fonts, the fonts load. The oh, nice. Carousel's not doing anything though. Just to let you know. Okay. <laughs> JavaScript is hard, guys. So you got that. To yeah. do, that you got that to deal with, there, buddy. We'll, we'll talk about that. All of this later on. But yeah, um, okay. Carousel doesn't work. Guys. Hi. Yes. Loom is dead. Oh, <laughs> but Jesus. Loom is alive inside of Carousel. Well, kinda. Kind of. So, so Federico, walk us through this. What what happened? Can I just check something? Is is Dropbox trolling us to start talking about photo management again on every every episode? Yeah. Is that what's is that what's happening now? Yeah, that's basically what's yeah. happened. Right, just wanted to double check. So here's what happened. Um, two week, uh, three weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, Dropbox launches the Carousel uh, app and website, and nobody knows that there's an acquisition behind it. And the following week, uh, news comes out, Loom, a former photo management service that provided a kind of like photo stream experience only with a web app and maybe faster than Apple's solution with iPhone, iPad clients, uh, a Mac uploader application and of course a website, uh, announces that they have been acquired by Dropbox and that they are joining Dropbox, as all these companies say. Uh, they've been acquired for, uh, um, no, actually an undisclosed uh, sum of, anyway, a lot of money, I guess. Um, and Dro- uh, Loom is going away next month in May. Um, you can take all your photos and storage space from Loom into Dropbox. So you get a if you have a free Loom account, you get the, the the free storage space that you currently have for free in Dropbox. If you are a paid Loom user, you get your paid storage for a year for free on Dropbox. And so yeah, Loom is going away. I know that Loom was uh, really popular, and many people, including the guys at the Sweet setup that Stephen may know something about, uh, they really liked. Uh, Loom as a photo stream alternative. It wasn't actually um, a photo management service on the lines of Picture Life and Everpix. It was like uh, like a more powerful photo stream because it, it it had that kind of feature that you take a photo on your phone, it shows up on all your devices. But it also came with a with a basic feature to create albums, to delete photos, to to, to view some metadata about a photo. So it was like a combination of Everpix and PhotoStream. And um, now it's gone. Well, it, it will be gone soon. And I saw some people were upset. But I yeah. guess that also... I, I, I also guess that <laughs> at this Bradley. point... Paul Bradley. Paul yeah, Bradley Chambers. Yeah, like. yeah, the, the, yeah he, so he... So Bradley wrote the piece for us at the Sweet Setup 
and yeah. uh, has a book, you know, learning to love photo management. And he texted me when this news broke and he was just like, I, I can't win. Like, because, you know, he Everpix was our pick for like the best cloud photo thing. And then Loom, and now that's gone too. And, uh, <laughs> You know, so we're scram. You know, we're gonna get the the sweet setup pick revised, but now, so I mean, guess what? Picture Life is the only like, in, you know, in air quotes, independent like online photo thing now because Flickr's owned by Yahoo and Dropbox is, you know, humongous. Like, pretty interesting. Do, do you guys feel like at this point people are just used to the fact that photo management services are going to die? I actually, I I think this is categorically proven that an independent company cannot. Because do I saw a lot of disappointed tweets from people who were upset, but like they stopped after a couple of hours because it's like saying, "Oh, there's a, I don't know, maybe the world's gonna end someday, right?" People just know at this point. I mean, we're gonna die, so it, it doesn't make wow. much sense to be wow. upset. That's yeah, really I dark. mean it's. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm just saying that maybe photo photo management is like a metaphor of life. Wow. So guys, in a uh, another update on the Nokia Lumia situation. Okay. So a quick Google search has told me that my phone can get 8.1. So you need uh, to install that while we're recording. What I'm going to do now. Because it's saying that it can't get updates, I'm now going to put a SIM card in this phone and see if that helps the situation. Can't you go like to the to the Windows forum and uh, ask for help or something? It's a great Make an idea. appointment at their genius. Can you can you just ask the Windows people? Oh. Just like a, there must be like a website with Windows people, right? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know if I have a SIM card that can go in this because I, I can't tell if this is like a micro SIM or a nano SIM. Guys, we're doing some really important work here. Yeah. So photo management systems die, I think, for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, when Everpix uh, went away, The Verge had that really like in-depth article about why, and and really, the the core of it was just costs. It's expensive to store all this data. Um, and a lot of them use S3, you know, Dropbox famously is built on S3. And I really think that's gotta be a, a big part of it. I, I think, uh, another reason that they fail is that people just don't know about these services and don't really know they need it. I mean, we've God, this show is basically just photo management, but uh, people don't really like know that they shouldn't have a thousand things on their camera roll, like we talked about, and so to like suggest, oh, you need this cloud service, and it's going to like put your photos on the internet and sync them to apps. Like people just don't see the need for it, and so it can something like this can survive as a feature of something bigger like Dropbox. But I think is like the days of it being a standalone business, or I mean, when Picture Life goes away, I'm not going to be surprised. Like I'll just I'll leave it at that. I I feel like. I feel like the problem with getting many users for a third-party service like Everpix or Picture Life or Loom is that most people, and by most people I I, I say non-nerds, most people expect a photo backup and management cloud thing to be something that your phone does by default. There's a lot of friction in switching from the camera app on your phone to a third-party app 
and and especially on iOS with all these workarounds and hacks that developers have to do to enable automatic uploads and also the fact that if you're a third-party app on iOS you cannot delete a picture from your camera roll if you're a third-party app because iOS doesn't let you do that. So there's a lot of friction and complications and and people just expect that maybe Apple is already doing this and when they lose their photos they're like oh come on what do you mean iCloud doesn't have my photos? And you're like, no, you have PhotoStream, which only has like your 30 days or uh, your latest uh, number X photos. And they're like, what do you mean? I thought that iCloud had all my photos and now I don't have my photos. So it's really a mess. And there's a lot of friction in in switching from iCloud because people assume that iCloud, you know, people always say that the cloud, this magical entity, uh, the cloud has everything. So they assume that their photos are always in the cloud. And when they lose their photos, uh, they're like, oh my god, what happened? And they don't know that they can switch to a third-party service. And even if, it did, if they do know, they don't want to pay. Because they say, Apple should do this on my phone with iCloud. So, um, I feel like, yes, Steven, I feel like picture life will eventually go away. And we'll be sad, really. And, and Bradley will be sad. And, um, and WWDC is in June. I think that Apple needs to do something because I don't want to quote Steve Jobs, but I feel like in this case, photo management is a feature. It, it cannot be a product. It needs yeah. to be integrated in the in the camera app, in the photos app. It needs to be in- integrated on iOS with iCloud and all these other solutions. I fear always the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think I think you're right, and I would like to see. You know, iCloud has been around three years now. Like, I think it's time for for Apple to move the needle a little bit, uh, even if it's just with storage space and how much PhotoStream can do. But we should move on. Uh, It's not like photo management will ever come up again. Uh, The other day, um, Apple, you know, Apple has all these like little weird sections on their website where they do supplier responsibility report where they go into these. Why are they weird? Which is like they're not in the navigation, like if and know where they are. Oh, okay. Um, like secret sections. Yeah, secret secret okay. sections. Um, and so, you know, they, they have these things where they talk about labor in China and all this stuff. Uh, they have an environmental section <clears throat> as well, which somehow the URL didn't make it in our document, but I'm sure Mike can find for the show notes. I can definitely um, do that. Where are Mike the is excellent. Mike? Thank you. The show notes are five slash prompt slash forty five. Mike, I was going to say that you have excellent Google searching skills. You you always find like when we record the prompt or directional, I'm talking and I already see your cursor in the Google Drive document pasting the URL. Like you are amazing. Like, how do you do that? It's years of practice, my friend. Years of practice. Mm-hmm. Searching for what? You. Mm. It's creepy. Okay, Stephen, please go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been looking for you, Neo. So I wanted to, to talk a little bit, before we talk about this new page and new campaign in this video, um, I want to talk a little bit about what Apple's done historically, because that's sort of like my shtick. Um, you know, starting several years ago, now, you know, <clears throat> the the time I remember it most vividly was the introduction of the uh, aluminum iMac in 2007. They did a a small presentation on Apple's campus in the 
Um, the same way they did the original iPod introduction, actually. Um, and I'm sure we can find that video. And so, you know, the iMac was white and plastic and now it's kind of gross. Like I have one here uh, at the house and it's kind of funny looking. And one of the things Jobs said was like, this whole thing basically is recyclable. The aluminum can be recycled. The glass can be recycled. Um, you know, we don't use any scary things in the PCBs or, you know, all the cables are free of whatever. And what I really remember distinctly is uh, that he said, you know, that we have to cut a hole in the aluminum to put the screen in, and out of that we mill the keyboards. Like, um, and, and I remember very vividly, and and Apple has only pushed that uh, further. There was a uh, with the Retina, I believe the Retina MacBook, well, not the Retina, excuse me, the the Unibody MacBook Pros. You know, they had this whole like green campaign with like this crayon colored, you know, drawn Earth and, and this sort of thing. And so Apple, this is not new for the company. This is something that they have used not only as an advertising sort of, uh, you know, soapbox, but just sort of a as an identity piece for a long time. That you know, Apple is is the most profitable, uh, certainly the biggest financially, you know, computer maker on the planet, and. And I think they have a sense of obligation, a sense of responsibility. And I think that's what, Mike, what you really liked about the video. Yeah, the the video itself is is really nice. Like, uh, it just kind of talks about all of the things that Apple's doing recently and all the, the considerations they're making. Like, I didn't know, well, I feel like I didn't know about the solar-powered plant, that they're, like the solar power and wind-powered plant that they're working on or have already worked on. Um, I thought all that stuff was really interesting. But the thing that I find the most interesting about this video um, is that it's narrated by Tim. That's what yeah. I find to be the most um, interesting um, thing about Uncle Tim. This. Yeah, Uncle T- Tim. T. Cook. T. Kizzle. Um, he narrates the video, and that they don't usually do things this way especially a video like this they either have a professional narrator or a celebrity or something you know but it's like tim cook is is delivering this message because it is important to him that is how i take it away and i feel like since tim has taken over a bunch of these things have kind of happened you know like they they introduced the sort of charity matching scheme and that sort of stuff um, but the environmental thing seems to be something that he's really pushing. And this, I, I don't know, I feel like where Apple's always considered the environmental thing, it seems like they're going even more in that direction. Like, you see it, you see in this video the things that they're doing under Tim Cook's leadership. And it, so it, there's just a thing about this which feels to me like this is Tim Cook's Apple. This is the Apple that he wants the world to see, not just the one that makes a ton of money and great products, but also cares about the environment. And then it goes on. So in the UK today, there was a full-page advertisement um, for Earth Day. Uh, Apple took the back page of a free newspaper called The Metro, which is it has one of the widest circulations in uh, in the UK because they put it in train stations for free and you could just pick it up on your commute. And basically, it's a it's a big picture of their solar power plant in their, for their North Carolina data center, which has solar power. And it says, there are some ideas we want every company to copy. 
And then it goes on to talk about what <laughs> Apple are doing at the moment. So this is a twofold thing. One, they're, they're talking about their great environmental stuff, but it's also a PR piece because they're currently in... Um, they are in the legal battle with Samsung right now. So yeah. it's a it's a very, very interesting thing that they've done, but it's a very nice ad. And I think it has... it Overall has a nice uh, message to it. But yeah, I just think it's interesting to me to see all of this because it definitely feels like this is Tim Cook's Apple. This is the stuff that he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about how responsible the company is and the things that they're doing to try and make the world a better place. I I feel like we see that a lot. Like, how do you make people better or the world better? I feel like a lot of the videos recently have been about that sort of stuff. You know, a lot of their marketing is, is definitely going down that route. Yeah, and you know, I think that that newspaper ad made really made me chuckle, and it kind of feels like Phil Schiller more than Tim. Um, not that I know either of them really. I do have a Phil Schiller story, but maybe that's for another time. Um, and it's you know, you, you think over the last couple of years, you know, uh, even at the retail level, what Apple's done, you know, there were a bunch of pictures floating around this week of Apple stores, you know the top of the Apple logo being, you know, covered in green. They did uh, red apples for world AIDS day back in the spring. Um, and, and, but it's not just like, you can like make a video like, and, and obviously doing a solar power data center or whatever it is they're up to. Like that's, that's really, really cool. And something that, uh, I mean, you look at the campus two stuff they're working on. Like they're really doing like st- stuff on a big scale, right? Like, having a data center that's powered by renewable energy is a big deal. Like it's, it's not like me having a little vegetable garden in my backyard. Like it's actually, it can make a big impact. Um, but they do it even at the retail level. Nine to five has a story about, um, you know, you can do the reuse and recycle program, which Apple has had forever. Um, but they've added the iPad to it, you know, for, for a long time, you've been able to recycle your machines, um, at, at stores, uh, PCs and, and Macs both. Um, and and actually, when I when I went to Genius Training a hundred years ago, in Cupertino, um, there's a there's a, a series of Apple offices on Bub Road, and Genius Training is is in like Bub Four or Eight or something. And but in that circle is where all those machines end up. So like we got to go in there, and it was like just pallets of like Emacs, you know, that schools are recycling and all sorts of crazy stuff. You know, stuff now is like someone who collects all this stuff. Like I would just go crazy. Um, but even then, I mean, that's a very old program, but, you know, Apple is still trying to make it better and trying to do more. And I, I think that's great. And I think that they're, the sense of obligation they have is well-founded and one that more companies should feel. I think if you're uh, a, a corporation of their size or even not their size, if you're a corporation of any size, um, I think you have an obligation to offset what you do to the environment. So, you know, uh, thumbs up from for me on this i think it's the right sort of stuff to talk about they're talking about the right sort of things you know they're massive massive company extremely influential and this stuff is really important to talk about so i think it's it's good it's definitely a good message it's nice to see apple doing some marketing at the moment oh yeah yeah i don't have anything to add it just feels good to me it's it's awesome it's a it's an awesome initiative it's a great advertisement on, on the on the newspaper. Uh, yeah, th- thumbs up. No, no critics. Nothing. So should we take a second break? Yes. Now we have a, a new sponsor today. 
that I want to take a short time to talk about. And awesome. That, that is Harry's. Now, let me tell you about Harry's. Harry's was sparked by a personal experience of Andy, one of their founders, that's emblematic of the experience that many guys go through. This is Andy's story. I went to a drugstore, waited 10 minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held, and bought a four-pack of blades and some shaving cream. It wasn't the best purchasing experience, to say the least, and then when I walked out, I looked into my bag and I had a receipt for over $25 with products and brands that didn't really speak to me as a customer. I just felt like there had to be a better way. So Harry's was set up. Harry's is a uh, company, a brand that helps, well, and it does, it creates uh, shaving products for men. Uh, Harry's is brought to you by the people that create Warby Parker, Parker, the glasses people. So Harry's is focused on providing guys a great shaving experience for a fraction of the price of their competitors. You're actually paying half the price compared to other razor blades. They have clean product design, believing less is better. Their high-quality blades are engineered in their own factory in Germany, which they purchased. They bought a factory in Germany. they, They went over, they tried out some different blades from different companies. They love what these guys are doing so much, they bought them. So they, they are in factory in Germany where they test for sharpness and strength and they are, as I mentioned, half the price of their competitors like Gillette. Harry's believe in convenience and the ease of ordering online. Now, Stephen, I believe that the guys at Harry's sent you over a kit. They did. Um, and, you know, his story of wanting a good experience definitely comes through with the product. It's It comes in this nice box. You open it, everything is like really well laid out. In fact, like my wife was like, what, what did you get? So I showed her and... Um, and I, and I'm, I'm a guy who, I mean, I wear a beard, wear a beard. I have a beard. I have a beard most of the time, but, um, you know, I shaved with the, with the kit the other night and it's, uh, it's just, it's really great. Uh, one reason I have a beard is because I'm lazy and I've never had anything good to shave with. And so, um, you know, Harry's definitely knocks that stuff just out of the park. So what about the actual razor itself? Like I know I've heard some people talk about the design of it and how it looks. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It, the thing that struck me, uh, the most was the weight of it, you know, you, especially if you use a disposable, but you know, even just like a off the shelf razor, it's just, it's cheap. It's thin, it's light, um, not in a good way. You know, it's like when you, when you pick up something and just, you can know it's just made poorly. Uh, this thing is metal. It feels good in your hand. It's got a nice weight to it. It's easy to control and easy to manage. Um, it's just, it's really a step above anything I've ever used. Harry's will ship straight to your door. They believe in the look and feel of a product and the quality of the shave. And I think that that is something that Stephen has definitely attested to. And they do all of this with excellent prices. Now go to harrys.com and you want to use the promo code prompt. It's going to save you five bucks off your first purchase. Thank you so much to Harry's for their support of the prompt and five by five. So don't forget, prompt, P-R-O-M-P-T, $5 off, harrys.com. Woohoo! Federico. Hey, guys. You've been, you've been a little quiet today uh, on, the, well, on the show. On the show. Yeah, on the show. Okay. I think, I think you're exhausted is the word you used earlier. I am. Any particular reason? After, uh, gosh, um, four years, we <laughs> finally redesigned MacStories. Hooray! And, and we managed to release the redesign. Uh, yeah, it's um, 
the version is uh, Mac Stories 4.0, and um, so basically everything about the site. If you if you if you have been reading Mac Stories, and if you go today to MacStories.net, you're going to see basically a whole new website. We we tore apart all the old design code base, everything. We just kept the articles, and we kept, of course, the style that the things that we like to do and we change we change everything else um and it, and yeah i'm exhausted because um actually the redesign uh, we've been on and off playing to planning to do this for uh over 2 years and um every time i I wasn't happy with the design. I wasn't sure. I I I was ready to you know take the leap and and go with the with the with the decisions that 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 we made for this version. I wasn't sure and I wanted to take more time. I felt like like I needed to to keep writing because I didn't have time to to just focus on the redesign. And then at the end of last year, uh, before Christmas. Um, my girlfriend and I, uh, Sylvia, um, she 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 said, you know, we it's time you you cannot wait any longer. We should do the redesign, and and so I I trusted her to to work on the design aspect, and um, so in, in December um, we finalized the ideas that we had for for the design, which. Like I said, were ideas that we'd been like sitting on for over two years, and we we just said we're just gonna go with this because it feels right. And she she and Alessandro, she's my developer, also from Italy, and they started collaborating uh, with me on this new design. And in just five months, we we shipped it. And 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 what's what's strange to me is that. To me, it doesn't feel like a five-month work because it, some ideas like dropping the sidebar or uh, going with a simple white background and just article content or having a simple navigation menu, uh, those are ideas that we first uh, we, we first made the concepts in Photoshop in 2012 uh, before I got sick. And, um, well, actually, no during my treatments um, so to me it looks like something that we've been doing forever you know like in Photoshop and but to the reader it, it's something new and from a technical point of view it was done in five months so there's a lot of strange feelings for me but it feels great to finally have a new readable website uh, the people are loving it um, it's still a work in progress we have some stuff to fix we have bugs uh, actually fewer bugs than I was expect expecting. So nice work, Alessandro. And people are liking the design a lot. The response has been amazing. And um, the result, though, is that I'm super tired because I've been living on coffee. Uh, and by coffee, I mean like over seven shots of espresso every day um, uh. for like two or three weeks. So my brain is like finally switching the engine off. And now I'm feeling all the, you know, all the stress going, going away. And man, it feels great. I'm tired. Federico, but it feels great. Will you permit me to go into interview mode with you for a moment? Sure. What would I like to be known for? 
Sure, yeah, <laughs> what would you like to be known for right now, aside from your... Anyway, so uh, Federico, what are the biggest changes? What are the key changes that people will see when they go to Mac Stories now? It's readable on any device. Because we want... Because in the in the old design in Mac Story th- in Mac Stories three we had a very old idea of w- m- the website being a, a Mac and a desktop website. It wasn't optimized for iPhones and just mobile devices in general. The basic and really underlying idea and, and principle that we've been trying to apply to every sc- every page and article and section of this new website is that the reason why people come to make stories for is the article so if people come for the articles they want to read and if people want to read therefore we should drop everything else and just focus on the content which is the article they come for so how do you when i say focus i mean in very practical terms text and images should take advantage of all available screen space in in a meaning in a meaningful way so the text uh, reflows uh, it's a responsive website so the font size the line height the, the, the you know all those little other typography tweaks they adjust depending on the on your screen so it's it's readable on the desktop it's readable on, on the iPad on the iPhone other smartphones and images um, they don't have to follow the same uh typographic rules of text so we decided to go with edge to edge uh screenshots and photos on iPhones and um on iPads in portrait mode so just like the the mail app on iOS 7 if you if you have a large image it takes advantage of all the available space and the other change is that there's no sidebar because we felt like from a website owner perspective, it feels good to just make all these little widgets and boxes and like lists of all my latest articles, all my latest reviews and, and to put them in a sidebar because you assume that more stuff, more widgets and, and, and toolbars means you have like a more professional website. Whereas my my reasoning is that that doesn't really matter because that that's like trying to optimize your website for something that people don't want. People and I've been I've been writing for five years. The reason people, the reason why people come to Mac Stories is is reading an article, whether it's it's a long article, or maybe a short article, or maybe a, just a link. And people want to read. They're not like, oh, let me come to Mac Stories and just click on this box in the sidebar. Hmm. People are not constantly interact interacting with all those custom fancy widgets that you make. People just want to read. So we dropped the sidebar. We made the article take advantage of, of all the screen. We simplified a lot. And um, for instance, in the, in the, in, at the top, um, we dropped all the, all the custom mm, navigation that we used to do. Now it's just the basic stuff that people know Mac Stories for. So it's news, reviews, stories, and links. And um, there's a search bar because people want to find old articles. And and really, it's the, the thing about the, the new design is that it's it's simpler, but it's not simple. It, in that it wasn't simple to come up. 
it wasn't easy to to decide what parts do you choose over others so do i do i need to have a list of all my latest reviews do i have to have comments again or i don't know do i have to have dozens of yeah. icons and buttons to share on twitter so in my years of writing Mac stories, I realized that people don't want all this stuff. It makes you feel good because it makes you like it makes you in, it makes you feel in control. Like I can make a widget, I can make a Twitter button, I can have a Facebook comment box. And um, but in the end, if people like your article, they're just gonna copy the link and share it. And if people like what you say, they're going to reply on Twitter and they're gonna send you an email. And if people can read. A happy reader is like half of the job done. So for me, that was the goal, to just make people happy when reading, to make myself happy when (laughs) seeing my website, and from our technical point of view, to make the site faster, to remove a lot of the custom stuff that we used to do to make articles look good, to optimize the the code base to be faster, responsive, and all this sort of stuff. The site is extremely light. Mm. The the JavaScript, for instance, actually does more things than the old website, and and it's less JavaScript. So it's a lot of things, and and I'm super happy with the result. You answered all of my questions except one. Okay. So I had a bunch of questions, and you've, you've answered them all because you're so excited, I can tell, and I'm happy for you. Thank you. How has the redesign affected the business model of Mac Stories and where do you see this moving in the future? That's a good question. Um, (laughs) So at the moment, uh, we have this um, ad at the top. So it may be an unusual choice. I haven't seen people complain about it yet. So hopefully they got my my explanation of the reason why the ad is, is at the top, both on the desktop and mobile views. The reason why is that I don't like the ad myself. But I put it at the top because I want to let readers scroll past the ad as soon as possible. So when, when you when you read an article, maybe you found a link on Twitter or Facebook, or maybe you just subscribe to RSS and you want to view the website. When you come to an article, the text will load immediately. And after the text, the site will load the other the images of the article the site's resources, so the logo and the other icons, and then last one is the ad. So if you're quick enough, if you just want to scroll, if you have a fast enough internet connection, chances are you'll never see the ad at the top. You just scroll and start reading and you'll never see another ad inside the article. So right now I have this ad, this ad. and uh, for the business model, Mike, um, in the short term, um, I think that nothing will deeply change. Um, actually, the the fact that the, the website is now responsive means people will come to my homepage more frequently. So in terms of ad views, I'm not really concerned. Um, the other part of the business model is the, the links that we use for uh, apps and iTunes content that we mentioned. So when people use our links, we'll get a commission because it's an affiliate program. So with with a web with a better website it means that people um click on our links more because they enjoy the reading experience 
And um, also, uh, a feedback that I saw today is that a lot of people are saying, thanks to the new design, because I like it so much, I don't need to read your articles in Pocket or Instapaper, or I don't need to read your articles uh, through RSS feeds. I can just come to your website because I enjoy the typography more, I enjoy the edge-to-edge images, and I enjoy the choices that you made. You also course, have a, an ad in the middle of the site as well, right? Just oh. in the middle of the homepage. Yeah. So like uh, halfway down, like so, like yes, three or four between the down. fifth, between the fifth and sixth post. So you, if you're smart enough, you can see what I'm getting at by making a better website, uh, and by and not just trying to like take advantage of people. I generally wanted to make a better website, but as soon as you, my feeling. So when you when you're asking about the business model in the future, is that my feeling is that if you make something that's good for the people, and if you make people happy. It'll just work out because I think that's people. A pretty good, pretty good way to think, man. Yeah, be, yeah, because people, because people are just happier to come to the website. If you come to the website, I'm happy because you're reading my stuff. I'm also happy because I get a page view, right? I mean, mm-hmm. of course, it's 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 a it's a model based on page views. So, I truly believe that we provide a better experience for images and text and footnotes and. Um, and we also have other stuff planned. So I want to make the website a better place than RSS readers, than read later apps. So if the reader is happier, if I'm happier, the reader comes to the website, the reader gets a better experience because it gets all the custom stuff that we made. We are not using um, weird plugins. It's all custom code uh, optimized for Mike Sorry. So you get the footnotes popovers. You get the typography, you get the images, you get the retina quality for the images. And you maybe you don't even see the ad. And um, also with a better website, it gets easier for us to sell weekly sponsorships. And with a better website, we get to... We have these out of the way, so we can focus on other stuff. And business-wise, other stuff means maybe in the future... I don't know how far down the road, maybe trying also to integrate the traditional affiliate links, ads, and sponsorships with some kind of reader support. Yeah. So people could directly support us if, if, you know, if they, I don't know, this is just something that I'm thinking out loud. I mean, I've been thinking about this for years, but, um, but yeah, in, uh, having a new foundation makes it so easy for us to, at this point, to just focus on listening to feedback, doing new things, uh, getting new authors on the website, new contributors, and yeah, it's it's a major milestone because it means we don't have to we don't have to think about the fact that our, that our website sucks every day anymore. <laughs> talking to you every day about, and we've been talking a lot about this over the last few weeks, especially. Um, I know how important this is to you, and I think you've done an incredible job, uh, you and everybody involved at Mac Stories. So congratulations, Thank Federico. Thank I'm you. really pleased that it's gone as well, and it's been received as well as we all expected it would be, because you genuinely have made something that you can be really, really proud of. So congratulations. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, it's it's you two, <laughs> you and Steven, 
you have been listening to my <laughs> to my you know b- being worried about the design and the choices and are people gonna like it uh and uh, it's been quite a journey and now with this out of the way i can you know focus on writing again and and because the w- the website is all new and faster we can bring new features to the site without saying oh god we cannot bring these because it means we have to do the redesign first now that we have the redesign done we can just bring awesome stuff to the website like i'm planning to do galleries i'm planning to do stuff for animated gifs inside articles that's that would that would be really awesome and uh yeah i can do all this new stuff because the redesign is done and it's live so now i can focus on new things and that's fantastic for me and I'm so glad and thankful to you and to our readers and and to Sylvia and Alessandro for being just an awesome team. And yeah, it's done and onwards to the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it it really is great. And um you know, I think I think it's it's a good good foundation to, to move forward on like you're talking about. Um, Bef- before we move into our last topic, an- another update on the Windows phone situation. Okay. <laughs> so what I have discovered is you have to um, sign up for a Windows Phone app store preview for developers app studio account or something. Windows Phone. Oh, app, Mike, w- that's a lot of words. I signed up for a Windows Phone app studio account because then that allows me to get the eight point one preview. So I've currently up. I'm currently updating my uh, Lumia five twenty. So. I can then install an application called Preview for Developers from the App Store, which should then allow me to install 8.1. Okay. So uh, I'm preparing to install 100%, apparently. It's been there for a little while, saying 100%. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Is it fair to say that you've been trying to install this for a while now? Yeah. I've been trying to install this for a while now, and I don't think it's going to be ready by the end of the episode. So, uh, but I'm still working on it, guys. Don't worry. Okay, that's um, very good to know, Mike. Thank you. So, betas. Um, it's a nice betas. segue. It's a nice mm-hmm. segue, Mike. No problem. Be- betas. How do you say it? betas? You say beta, Mike? No, I say beta. But uh, if I was a proper British person, I would say beta. So, beta. Apple did something really strange, and and. I definitely didn't see it coming and was surprised when the the news broke. Uh, They have, for a long time, of course, offered a Mac developer program. You can pay a train. Yeah, it's that time. Um, For a long time, you could have paid for a Mac developer account. And as part of that, you get access to OS X betas. You know, just like iOS, right? Um, in addition to that, and this is was a less well-known program that uh, I actually am fortunate enough to be a member of. It's it's invite only. Uh, is the Apple Seed program, and so Apple can invite you, and you can get uh, beta builds of new versions of OS ten. This isn't just like you know the beta of ten point nine. It can be like right now it's the beta of ten point nine point three, which is super exciting. Um, but they've gone one step further, and now have opened this to the public. So there's a URL in the show notes and you can go right now and sign up. All you do is you sign up with the Apple ID that you use in the Mac app store. 
and now suddenly your Mac App Store can update to beta versions. Right now, like when I did it, uh, there was a beta version of 10.9.3 and a, a beta version of uh, the next build of iTunes. And they're calling this the OS X Mavericks beta, but I can't help but think that it's bigger than just Mavericks. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about like, is 10.10 going to bring a redesign? And if it is, would it make sense for Apple to have a lot of uh, beta testers? I'm actually wrapping up an article tonight about that, but it, it's, it's strange to me. Apple doesn't do this sort of thing very often. Um, and uh, it just really, it really struck me by surprise. Like I can't state that any more clearly. Like it, it's just weird. Why do you think so, Apple would do this? I think I mean I think my best guess is that it um uh that it is about what's coming whether it be at WWDC or, or further in the future that they want a base of people to be looking at something and it ain't 10.9.3 there's not much there that would require something like this um so I think it's a it's a move with an eye cut towards something big coming in the in the future so we are assuming that Apple is going to redesign OS X with a major new design, and they're going to need all the help that that they, you know, all the help of the world to to get feedback on a major new OS X. So they're going to open up the beta to more people, but also these people are still going to be basically signing an NDA with Apple because. If you look in the OSM beta, what's the name, program, you still cannot mention publicly anything about the software that you install. So it's basically, right. basically it could be a way to get more people to try OS 10, OS 10, 10, 10? Yeah, it's problematic. <laughs> uh, OS, OS 10, uh, new design, this June, without being a Mac developer. But also, in theory, these people, you know, how it's it's going to end badly. People are going to share everything. Well, it happens anyway. I mean, you know. It happens anyway, sure. But this time, more than ever, basically. I don't know. I don't know. It just feels so strange. I honestly cannot see this coming to iOS, though. Because I no. know that pe- people install, people, my friends. So picture this. It's Saturday night. We're at the bar. We're drinking. And a friend of mine, it's basically July of last year. So iOS 7 is out. The beta, first beta is out for a couple of weeks. And this guy pulls out his phone and he has iOS 7. And I'm like, how do you have iOS 7? And and, and, he, and he's like, yeah, it's so easy. I just downloaded the torrent for the beta and oh I put gosh. it on my phone. So people are doing, and, and I saw so many people. Because it, 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 it get, it's like... um. It was like, in my experience last summer, it was like having a new fancy toy that you get to show off. Because exactly people were, because, mm-hmm. because people were like, oh, you have the new iOS? When does it come out for everyone? And so people are, are installing on iOS, iOS betas anyway. Now I'm wondering, does Apple want to like allow people to do that easier? Because then these people go to the App Store and leave bad reviews. The phones of these people crash and get battery life issues. So I cannot see Apple doing this open beta for 
iOS. But maybe OS ten, maybe it's a geekier audience. Maybe they need more help because I don't know that they're, they're, they haven't been getting enough feedback. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely downsides to it, and um, there's a good post over at Max Sparky about you know some things that you should do if you if you decide to go down the go down this road. But uh, I can't help but think, Federico, as you sit there talking about your friend and the excitement, I can't help but imagine Apple wanting to capture that and bottle it up and bring it to the Mac. Um, and, I mean, I get excited about OS X releases. I mean, I, you know, I write a, for the last three releases, I've written really big reviews. and um, But I'm not the majority, I'm not the majority, you know, People are excited about new iOS, and and if and if ten point ten is going to look different, which my money would say that it is, then why not generate some of that excitement? Yes, it's going to leak, but it's going to leak anyways. Like you know, the first build, it's all over nine to five and Mac rumors. It's just the way the world works. Um, and so I, you know, I wouldn't want to uh, run. You know, I, I do run the big. Mac OS 10 betas, but I do it on a partition and I'm smart about it, but not everyone is. So that should be, you know, lots of fun to see people complaining that their MacBook Airs have caught fire. Hmm. I think that just about wraps it up for today. Mike. Yes. Are you going to install the open OS 10 beta? Um, Please no. No, I, no, <laughs> That's going to no. mean things for me that I don't are you, me. Are you going to restore your Mac? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. I love you. You're the one. You're the one who's supposed to stick up for me in these things. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just so tempting, you know. Hopefully, by next week's episode, I will have updated my Windows phone, though. Okay. Because it's not going well, very well so far. Pre- next week, uh, I really want to test with you. Maybe over Skype. I don't know. We should figure something out. Cortana. I want to talk to Cortana on your Windows Phone phone. Well, it won't be next week. It'll be the week after because I'm I'm not here next week. But Windows Phone phone. That's that's nice to say. Phone. phone, 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 phone. So yeah, next week hopefully I'm still alive because I'll be taking a flight to Paris. So if I don't come back, um, think of me. me. Think of me in your dreams, and um, mm. maybe we'll meet again. Someday, I don't know. If you want to find us online, there's a few ways you can do <laughs> that. Uh, we are the show is on uh, Twitter. You can go to twitter.com forward slash <laughs> underscore the prompt. That's the place where you'll be able to find the show, and you can follow it there. Um, if you want to find us individually, I am I Mike I M Y K E Federico is at Viticci V I T I C C I, and Stephen is at. I-S-M-H. Stephen also writes at 512pixels.net and Federico writes at the all-new maxstories.net. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt. Don't forget you can get your prompt. You can get the world's greatest t-shirt at teespring.com slash the prompt. Yep, teespring.com slash the prompt. Thanks so much to lynda.com and Harry's for their support of this week's episode. Until next week, they will be there. I won't be. I'll see you in two weeks, but those guys will see you next week. Until then, bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.